0: I fucked up this week. I fucked up this week. This is the fucked up this week song. This is I, f- I fucked up this week.
1: <laughs> you fucked up this week.
0: No, I really did fuck up this week pretty bad. What did you do? What did you do? I scared, I scared a child. <laughs> oh, Richie. Th- I'm working on a little side project thing right now. And part of it involves us into a lot of like dramatic orchestral music and so I was listening to it on my headphones while I was walking home from work I was in the corner and something rounded a corner that I wasn't prepared for and I wasn't in the right mind for it given the type of soundtrack that I had scored in my life at that moment it was like a big dramatic Hans Zimmer track uh, a kid came around the corner who was eating an ice cream cone <coughs> now <laughs> it had finished the top part of the ice cream cone so it was just left with the cone and evidently what I know now what it had done it had stuck the whole thing in its mouth like just the whole top of it, just so a whole cone was sticking out of its mouth. But it was the exact same sk- color tone as their skin. So, as I rounded the corner, the first thing I saw was a child with a big
1: triangular face. <laughs> a bird child.
0: Yeah, like that's what I was like. It's like and they're, they were small enough, like their parents were further back. I just saw the kid by himself, and I was just it, that's exactly what crossed my mind. It looked like a crazy bird child. And I went, ah! like I just <laughs> because I I'm headphones on, in it was louder than I thought like, and the ah! kid yeah and the kid screamed then as well but it, because I had the ice cream all up in his mouth it was just really muffled and then that panicked the child <laughs> and then I was like oh god no and the kid just ran back to their parents was, yeah, and, <laughs> and the parents just looked at me and was like what did you do Gritty. I blushed I haven't blushed in a long time but I blushed pretty hard
1: you, you this is why you're not supposed to live in such built up areas as like one of the largest cities in the world it's such by yeah because
0: scream at, I scream at children scream at children oh, i do it again I'd do it again, <laughs> do it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I regret nothing
0: how many children have you scared this week?
1: I uh, just you know the usual amount <laughs> <Both> <laughs> four or five I'd say <laughs> I did actually encounter Uh, One of the kids in the neighborhood, he was scootering around on like one of the little push stand up scooter bikes and he was wearing like Minions pajamas. And Uh his mother was shouting at him from a top window, telling him, get back in the house, for God's sakes, it's really late. It was, it was pretty dark and I was just at a different neighbor's house, knocked on their door, said something quickly and walked back out. And the kid immediately Mm -hmm. scooters over to me and says, what did you say to them? (laughs) Like, it was nothing to do with the little child. And I was like, "Um, well, I told them (laughs) this. And he's like, oh, okay," And then just like scooters away again. I was like, you should probably go inside. Your mom wants you to go inside. And he goes, no. And then scoots off into the distance on <laughs> his little minion. He was like a million, minion onesie. It was adorable. Yeah. Oh, that kid is far cooler than will ever be. Oh, absolutely. He's already the ruler of the street. I'm intimidated by it. He, I, 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 he didn't ask me for it. I gave him the money. He's <laughs> just throwing your
0: wallet on. Yeah. Good lord. Here, before we get into news, uh, we should probably plug our live show. Yes we're doing a live show we're doing a live show when are we it's the 4th it's 5th it's 5th of october 5th of october
1: although i i was i was back at home and Donegal all this week surrounded by many family who kept on asking me and for some reason every single time my mother said it was the 4th I just bought tickets for my son's show. It's on the fourth, the fourth, the fourth. And she told everyone the fourth. And I was no, it's the fifth. You t- hey Steve, you tell your ma to get her shit together. I mean, jeepers! And then I was like, not sure about it myself, and I was constantly rechecking the calendar because she kept on saying it. Man, do you think
0: she works for? She's in the pocket of a rival podcast. Absolutely, she's blind boy's <laughs> manager
1: all along. I should have known. Fucking said it all along. Never, I never trusted your ma. Yeah, never. <laughs> shifty, shifty looking lady. Now, Mammy Nolan, there's a Mammy you can trust if you want to come around and judge our parents as we do ourselves then they'll yeah. be there on the 5th of October of course because they're very proud of their wee lads
0: mm-hmm. and my mammy's gonna fight Steve's mammy yeah and then I'm gonna do a flip it's gonna yeah it's gonna be a good old-fashioned mammy fight and then Steve's gonna do a flip and then again if we have time there might be some podcasting or something bit.ly slash wap show
1: probably the quickest way and we have a guest an amazing guest and we have a guest who we just announced during the week Mark Little Mark Little not not who's that little in name but not in stature and knowledge big by nature yeah yeah. I'm going to edit that out. It's gross. <laughs> and, um, no, I'll leave
0: it in. I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. And then the Echo Chamber
1: have an amazing guest as well. They've got Paddy Cosgrave, who set up the Web Summit, a very interesting personality. Like,
0: and then those two lads are going to fight as well. They're There's going to, going to be fight. a lot of fighting at this show. Are we uh, going to fight the Echo Chamber, guys? You and me will fight. And then the winner will fight the winner of those two lads' fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a tournament. Good idea. And then the winner of all that will fight Blind Boy. Yes. And then they'll be podcast. Whoever's that will be podcast champion of Ireland. Yes. And then that, that those that person will be fought over to fight Ira Glass in America for the intercontinental title.
1: I'm nearly positive it's going to be like PJ Gallagher versus Alison Spittle in the final fight in Ireland. And she's going to kick his ass.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We should talk politics, I guess, at some point.
1: We're also part of the Head Stuff Network. They've asked us to start telling us to mention that more. Proud members. Proud members. So PJ Proud Gallagher members, hosts indeed. another amazing podcast called Dublin. Listen to that. Alison Spittle, mm-hmm. Would you be surprised to host the Alison Spittle podcast? But that's her, really? That's, well, yeah, I mean, I was always oh, like, oh, why, why is she hosting that? It doesn't make any sense. And there's all sorts yeah. of other fantastic podcasts. So go onto to the website and check them out. Loads and loads and loads. So, news. News. Let's do some news. Richie, we're going to choose something new. new. New for the news. Yeah, what's that? You're, you're going to do a news story. What? No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> you said that you were, and I didn't prepare.
0: <laughs> no, I'm going to do a news story, because I did it at the episode You Weren't There with Jazza, and I quite liked it. And also, I think it's probably good for me to actively engage in the news rather than just uh, once every two weeks listening to what you tell me.
1: I do believe that the whole premise of this podcast was for you to learn things, not just continue for nearly two years to allow me to just spoon feed you this information without actually absorbing any of
0: it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gradually getting there.
1: <laughs> it only took glad a year. You, It's
0: a work, this project, this project and my life is a work in progress. Yes. So. OK. So. And it's starting now with, will I go first? You go first. I feel like this is like a show and tell thing. Like I'm doing a report again to the fr- front of the class with like a piece of paper in my trembling hands.
1: Jazza was just like the temporary teacher, but now you're actually in front of the real teacher and now you're scared. So
0: you, you suggested some topics and you let me pick from them and I picked Brexit and then you laughed at me. <laughs> and,
1: then, <laughs>
0: and, and as I delved into uh, all the articles, I can see why it is the hot mess express Yes. This whole thing. And we knew that and we've talked about that a lot. But there's something different about now me being the one to have to talk about <laughs> it as opposed to listening to it. That makes it feel extra confusing and extra loud. But I will do my best. So uh, last week, as as this episode comes out, Theresa May uh, attended a summit, an EU summit in Salzburg to discuss Brexit with some EU leaders. I watched a statement that she issued shortly afterwards. And it's like a seven minute long statement, but it may as well just been seven minutes of her going, fuck. <laughs> like that's, that's how it read to me. Or they just put up big block letters on the screen that just says impasse and then nothing else. Yeah. That's, like it seems like such a sticky mess. Did you get that same kind of vibe?
1: Absolutely. She, she had been talking about this checkers deal for the last couple of months and the EU were kind of quiet. And then she, she went to the first meeting with them and she was expecting to at least have them say a good few good things. But all they said was, yeah this is a pile of shit it is never gonna work yeah they even made fun of her on instagram (laughs) they're on instagram (laughs) donald tusk the president of the eu and former polish prime minister he well was a photograph of him offering some cake to Theresa may and the first one is would you like some cake and then the second picture is sorry no cherries (laughs) which is like a really really nerdy joke because one of the cliches in this is that the the uk can't cherry pick what they get from the eu when they leave
0: Oh, wow. That's just like a combination of a terrible burn and a shitty dad joke. Well, that's, it's yeah. like if your dad's on Instagram and tried to make fun of his, his friend. That's pretty much exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From what I understand, it was supposed to be, yeah, lo- it's, everyone was supposed to go a lot smoother than this, or at least expected it to go a lot smoother than this. They weren't expecting such um, stark opposition.
1: They really should have um, been, though. They should have. because They should have, yeah, absolutely. It was, the EU had hinted pretty strongly that the, the checkers think wasn't going to work. There's 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 things that the UK wants that they just can't get from the EU.
0: So basically, what happened was th- there were there was two major issues again in this statement that she 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 put out. One was economic relationship, and the other was Irish border. And each one is more complicated than <laughs> than the other. They were offered two options by the EU. One was to stay in the European Economic Area. Mm-hmm. So kind of so sorry, the Norway, Norway the Norway option. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so freedom of movement, um, and then abiding by EU customs and trade regulations and all that stuff so basically for all intents and purposes it'd still be in the EU but not be in the EU yes so no major change basically none of the things they wanted from their referendum they were also offered uh and I don't know what this means but like a basic free
1: trade agreement that would kind of be like what they call the Canada model like the Canada recently did a deal with the EU where there's all sorts of different specific things on free trade but ultimately there's no freedom of movement for citizens and they're still basically external countries with big divisions and you would have to have border checks in Ireland for that.
0: Right, yes. So, so the big issue with that was that Northern Ireland would be in the customs union and parts of the single market based off that free trade agreements, which is not, not something they want at all. Yeah. She said it's basically their way of <laughs> the European Union carving up the United Kingdom. Yes. Which would be a bad deal and she said that no deal would be better than a bad deal. Yeah. Is is her quote, which I, I don't
1: know. She said that uh, before. She, she was saying yeah. that like a couple of years ago and uh, it doesn't make any sense.
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, a, it's a little audio sting for, for interviews and stuff, but it doesn't make any sense when you read into it. Uh, she then, or the UK, I should say, proposed a third option, which they said was uh, based on frictionless trade. And I'm doing air, the biggest air quotes you've ever seen right now. <laughs> I, d- I don't know what that means. Nothing about this could ever be frictionless. So I don't know what that frictionless trade would mean.
1: Basically, just ignore... The, the customs checks that you're supposed to be doing on the border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland so they could just trade all want, but they just ignore essentially the European do UNR- token checks and have like cameras and stuff like that but you're basically allowing an open border between two countries that are supposed to have borders
0: right and the EU don't want that at all because they said that would just completely undermine the single market yes because then you could just smuggle shit through the two countries absolutely
1: like the good old days like the good old days <laughs>
0: uh the other major issue then was of course the irish border complicated as ever the uk said they wanted a backstop again i'm doing big air quotes here my fingers are getting really tired from all these air quotes <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh they wanted a backstop in case there were like any sort of delays in the negotiations that's the eu um, that would the EU, bro, the EU were pushing for that not the uk sorry yeah the yeah. eu wanted a backstop in case there was any delays it would prevent a hard border yeah. um but the EU's solution to that would end up putting Northern Ireland again in the single market if that were to happen, yeah. which again, not what the UK wants. So again, all of this is just like, it's just one big impasse. Like there's nothing, it seems like nothing came of it except more nose and brick walls. And I don't know where it's going to go. You asked a question earlier of what
1: happens next. I don't know. I think the way it's, it looks like it's going, it's either going to, they're either going to fall out in the Norway style or they're going to fall out with no deal, which would be the worst option. Absolutely. And Uh, it's 50-50 between the two. It depends on how sensible the leaders of the UK will be. And so far, they have not proven to be very sensible.
0: Not at all. And there's all these rumours of dissent and uh, cabinet ministers like almost walking out and Corbyn said they'd support another general election. And there's just all this supplementary stuff on the the periphery that's just adding more drama to this um, and making it more complicated than Richie would like it to be when he has to research articles because <laughs> every article with a hyperlink to another article, and I forget the article that came before it, and I got scared, so I got a, myself a beer, and now we're here. <laughs> what's your What's your story?
1: <laughs> um, just to say as well that my other podcast, Newsy, has many EU-related uh, stories in the episodes, and there'll be one coming out just before this episode's released about. People pushing for Ireland to exit the EU, and the movement is being called IrExit. 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 Which is a fucking mouthful. That's what it is. <laughs> and for that reason alone, we should forget about. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So my story is the US. Mm-hmm. The US Supreme Court have a, ha- there's a vacant space there. Justice Kennedy retired just at the start of the summer there, mm-hmm. and he has to get replaced by someone that President Trump. Chooses and the Republican Senate um, confirms. So mm-hmm. they picked a dude called Judge Kavan- Kav- Kavanaugh. They say Kavanaugh, 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 but it, it's Not it's Kavanaugh because it's, it's an Irish name yeah. and it's Kavanaugh. Anyway, how Irish is this guy? Like, I mean. Irish-American-ish, I guess. I I didn't check that out. But he's like, he's pretty Irish-American. He is a very conservative federal judge with a big history of making conservative decisions. Mm -hmm. So he's exactly the kind of guy that Trump and his buddies would love to get in. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of sailing through the nomination process. They do token hearings in front of the Senate where they ask him questions. But this guy is smooth as hell and he just like answered them all. Either avoided the ones he didn't want to answer and answered the ones, the easy ones and those kind of things. Some of the the Republican senators asked him, where were you on 9-11? As if that's going to be <laughs> as if that's going to be relevant to anything that's going to happen in the US Oh, Supreme sorry, I,
0: re- I yeah, I, heard, I interpreted that as like they were like grilling him as if he was involved. <laughs> yeah, where were well, you on the night actually. of September 11th?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could be that could be it. I didn't put that together. Actually, good idea. Because
0: he was pretty smooth up at that point, but then when I asked him that question, he started sweating bullets. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, oh, uh, like uh, adjusti- adjusting uh,
1: his shirt. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> pull, <laughs> pulling out his collars like, ooh, rare. <laughs> <laughs> So it used to be a lot harder to get Supreme Court justices th- through the nomination process because the Senate used to have used to have you had to have a supermajority of 60 and that usually meant that you'd have to have bipartisan support right which is hard it, it was it got harder and harder as politics got more and more partisan and they got rid of it to push through Neil Gorsuch who replaced Anthony Scalia and um, last year that was Trump's mm-hmm. first Supreme Court um, judge and I mean if you guys remember from listening to the episode on the Supreme Court you'll know that this is probably the most important political institution Political and legal institution in the United States, mm-hmm. because these guys basically get to interpret the Constitution and can overturn any law passed by Congress and the President if they deem it unconstitutional, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty vague thing. So yes,
0: and the uh, balance of it is very important ideologically, yes. like where because it's an it's a, how many again? It's it's not it's an
1: odd number, is a nine. Yeah. yeah, nine. And there's um, there's four and four, four liberals, four conservatives at the moment. And if you put this this Kavanaugh, this young guy in. He's only going to be fifty. It's a lifetime appointment until he dies or retires, mm-hmm. so he could be there for forty years, which is a huge, huge impact on what the court's going to be for for decades to come. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, though, a huge story emerged that it turns out he is being accused of attempting to rape a lady back when he was 18 and she was 16. Her name is Christine Blasey Ford. She's a professor of statistics and she came forward privately to a couple of Democratic senators, sent them letters. Mm -hmm. They were they were unsure what to do with the information, but they they tried their best to keep it low key. But Eventually, her name emerged and it was leaked. And now she is entirely public with her story and Mm. is, in fact, going to testify in front of the Senate next week. That has ground his nomination process to a halt because the Republicans probably politically would push him through because it happened before. Clarence Thomas, he's the African-American justice. He was accused of similar things back in the 90s. And hes still got a, he still got put on right. even with these accusations hanging over him. I don't think he can get away with that these days
0: no the 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 landscape has changed quite a bit is there a, is there any sort of time limit on this like that would force their hand in a decision or is it kind of just whenever it gets sorted though?
1: well the Supreme Court is going to return, and it looks like he has missed the window to join that because it, this is going to take another couple of weeks and mm-hmm. but even so it just it looks like She's going to appear in front of the Senate. And if she makes accusations that are essentially incredibly difficult to verify, people are going to say it is either too difficult to determine who's telling the truth or side with her. And he will Mm -hmm. get pushed aside and they'll have to start the whole process all over again, delaying the thing by a couple of months, which means that it's going to remain 4-4 on the court. And any decisions that they come to a tie on mean that the lower court decision stands. So it basically nullifies it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a pretty big deal for things like decisions on abortion. Sounds like it. And I said abortion because we have a third story about abortion somewhere else.
0: That's true. That's true. And why not mix up the format even more than we already have and throw it away to a listener who actually submitted this new story.
2: Hello, guys. It's Paula from Argentina. I wanted to tell you a little bit about something important that has been going on in my country. In the last couple of months there has been a big campaign to legalize abortion. There was a bill proposed in Congress to regulate a EVA or the voluntary interruption of a pregnancy, and its supporters started wearing green scarves to symbolize its importance and the movement in general. As this started happening, the Catholic Church and many other groups started wearing blue scarves to symbolize their support for both lives or their opposition to legal abortion. This bill was passed by four votes in one of the chambers in Congress, in Cámara de Diputados, in June. And last week it was voted on the Senate, but it was rejected by seven votes. In spite of this, the movement and the scarves are still seen all over the place with many people carrying the green scarves on bags or other visible places and claiming that abortion will become law inevitably in the country in the not so distant future.
1: We received Paola's message on the 15th of August. Granted, it is a long time ago. True. Whoopsie. <laughs> we are very, very sorry. Between you per-
0: know, news, news is a relative
1: term. <laughs> what does it even mean? No one really knows. <laughs> Um, usually it does mean you learn things more than a month after they happen um, and we're very very sorry because we are so so grateful that Paolo went to the time to actually send that into us. It is a super interesting story that people need to know about Absolutely. but just because of live shows and personal circumstances we just weren't able to include it until now. But look yeah. it's still something that if you didn't know about you, you know now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was researching a bit before this just to catch people up and like Paolo said it didn't pass
0: mm-hmm.
1: so abortion is still illegal in Argentina and nothing nothing has really happened to that so far politically in terms of like votes or stuff but the movement is still very strong the green scarf people mm-hmm. they're still pushing to get it legalized and it's still a big deal
0: i absolutely adore political movements that have really strong aesthetics behind them and really strong messages behind it like the um uh, this has harkens back to like the umbrella movement in hong kong Yeah. It was like 2014 where those peaceful protests were had those umbrellas stuff like that there's something really powerful about like having like a symbol behind it and then you can identify like self-identify with other people, like even the repeal movement, those jumpers. Yes, that's white true. White text on black, pretty simple, but there's something really beautiful and powerful about it. So thank you so much for that, Paola. If anyone else wants to submit audio to us, be it a news story, an opinion, a suggestion, a critique, a funny joke, you can do that at whatonpolitics.com. We have a little uh, voicemail button. You just hit it and you can record on your phone. It's super easy.
1: Do it. Do it
0: now. Do it. But it was really nice hearing some South American news and perspectives. Yes. I feel like we don't get that enough.
1: No, we don't. Well, you do. You're married to a Brazilian lady. I am married to a Brazilian lady and I have been promising her that we will do an episode on Brazil for so, so long. Mm -hmm. They have a huge, super important election coming up soon to vote for a president. And because Brazil is in a pretty shit state at the moment, economically and politically, it is a very big deal and it is very important. And Brazil ain't a small place. It's a big country. A lot of people down there. Very important. Yeah. Huge, absolutely huge. Yeah,
0: you had told me little bits and bobs about what was going on down there, and I guess I didn't fully believe you until we got our guest expert in and they told us all about it. Uh, But who did we get to speak to, Steve?
1: We got a journalist, Cleosi Oliveira, and... I'm sorry, the name is difficult because it's not spelled phonetically for English speakers, but she was still quite quite proud. I did cheat by asking my Brazilian wife how to pronounce her name and then wrote it phonetically. But anyway, her name her name aside, and there will be funny jokes about that, Yeah, she is an incredibly interesting and informative lady. Yeah. She has written for a huge amount of big publications. New York
0: Times, The Guardian, Foreign Policy. Yeah, all the big ones. All the big boys.
1: You should go follow her immediately so you don't forget. Yeah, the, her, her Twitter's in the show notes. Yes, so go follow uh, her. Oh,
0: also, also, after, we ha- just a little plug for what's going to come after. We have this big, great interview, but afterwards in the closer, we're going to play a little game with um, Steve's wife, where she's going to teach us all about uh, Portuguese swear words. So we'll just take the the tone
1: right down into the gutter after this wonderful interview with Klausi. Let's, um, let's try and get the name right, first of all. Um, I haven't... <laughs> I have it down as a uh, Cle- that
3: That's very good and very impressive. Um, but not quite there. <laughs> no, it is. It, it's the closest um, I think I've ever heard.
1: <gasps> I have an advantage. Um, my wife is from Brazil.
3: Oh, OK. Well, there you go. OK. Well, then you have no excuse to not get it exactly right.
1: <laughs> and yet I, w- I will not.
3: <laughs> no, but that's perfect. That's perfect. Usually people call me Cluchi, and I want to kill them.
0: Cl- Cluchi.
3: <laughs> I really, really... There's nothing of all the indignities in life. I think being called clucci is
0: clucci sounds like a like an Italian stereotypical racist kind of character caricature thing.
3: I've always thought it sounded like like a slang for vagina.
1: Um, <laughs> That's so much better. <laughs> like yeah, it's the it's the Rome version of cunt or something like that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> cluccius. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly.
1: I know exactly. what I'm calling that from
0: now on. So. Oh
3: my god. <laughs> My legacy, my life's legacy.
1: There you go. Uh, this <laughs> is the interview is, now. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> this is what we bring people down to on our show. Yeah. This is all in the show as well, by the way.
3: Come for Brazilian politics, stay for, you know, reinventing Rome, Latinate uh swear words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or come for the swear words, stay for the swear words. And now this podcast is just about swear words in different languages. <laughs> I like that. I mm. like that. What Not time bigger. is it
3: there for you guys? It
0: is
1: 11 minutes past one. Just after nine where you are, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it is it is just, yeah, 9 a.m.
0: On
1: a Saturday morning. Wow. We're we're terrible people to make you Aww. do this at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning.
3: Oh, I have no life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to wake up early on Saturdays.
1: Fair enough. Are you in, based in Brasilia?
3: I am, yes. It's and where that- I was born and raised.
1: Oh, really yes I've met lots and lots of Brazilians they're quite common in Dublin at the moment but I don't actually think I've ever met someone from Brasilia I met some from a few of the other cities around there but I think you're the first person I've actually spoken to who's actually from there
3: yeah I mean' we're, it's such a young city you know like I, I think my generation's the first one that was actually born here both my yeah. parents are in the city so do
1: you want to tell people like why why it's a unique place I guess because most people wouldn't
0: know by people Steve means me I know I have no idea. <laughs> When when Steve said Brasilia first, I thought he mispronounced Brazil, and I was like, "Oh, that's (laughs) embarrassing."
3: Oh yeah, no, I hear that a lot. Um, I a lot of the times when people ask me where I'm from, I'll say Brasilia, and they're like, "No, no, I mean where in Brazil." I don't blame them. Oh my gosh! So yeah. Brasilia is um, its a very new city. It was inaugurated in uh, 1960. First of all, it's weird because it's a city that was inaugurated, right? It was um, built just in the middle of uh, the Brazilian savannah, um, and part, in part for a reason to kind of displace the population that had concentrated in the southeast around Rio de Janeiro, and just to move the, the kind of government to a specific kind of... Uh, Headquarters, if you will, geographic headquarters, and there's a lot of very loopy things about Brasilia. There's um, well, of, about why the location was chosen. There's there's a, a kind of backstory of a bishop um, having having kind of prophesized that this is this is where this is kind of a utopian place I'm, I'm really speaking in broad terms here but uh, so for that reason as well on top of the politics uh, having migrated here a lot of um, a lot of loonies have migrated here as well <laughs> a of, yeah a lot of like end of time cult leaders cult leaders and spaceships wow. yeah yeah my my uh, P.E. teacher. Is that what you call it in Ireland? The sports teacher? Yeah. Um, His name is Abraham. And he he very, very specifically said that he moved to Brasilia because the world was going to end and Brasilia was going to be the only city that survived. And And the school
0: entrusted him with children? Oh,
3: he was great. (laughs) I mean, he wasn't... He didn't, he did not imbue me with any talent for sports whatsoever, mm. but he was still a great teacher. But
0: it imb- imbued you with a healthy people. paranoia for uh, alien life.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who <laughs> knows, you know, it might, it might be the city that survives and the, and he will be laughing at all of us.
0: Oh yeah. God, but I'll, my face will be red <laughs> on that day and I'll probably also be, you know, dead.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be red because the flames will have, you know, caught up with it.
1: Has he set a specific date or is he keeping it kind of vague?
3: i it's been It's been twenty years since I've seen him. I don't mm. think I asked him the last time if he had a date specifically in mind, but
1: you'd want to
0: know yeah, could you I find know, that out I and tweet have... at us or something? <laughs>
3: I will reach out to Abraham and we'll let you know.
0: yeah, asking yes. for a friend
3: so <laughs> yeah.
1: We got the we got the basic idea. So Brasilia was basically a city just built in the middle, kind of the middle of Brazil to move all the government out of Rio. Yes. Started from nothing and then turned into a huge city pretty much over a couple of days. And I didn't realize it was there because of prophecies from bishops. That's really good. We should start uh, lobbying for that to happen more in Irish politics, Richie. I would love
0: if uh, Kildare, the town I'm from, if I could just like make some fake prophecies to get more amenities out there because it's a little boring (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yes, yeah. there's well, like a prophecy that there needs to be a water park there or something. Otherwise, we're all going to die.
3: Be careful what you wish for, because you're going to get the end of time crazies.
0: Um, that'll brighten up the place a bit.
1: Yeah, it's pretty dreary out there. <laughs> So we'll ask you another kind of broad question as well, just to get people up to speed about Brazil. Um, Could you just give us a quick overview of how the government system in Brazil works in terms of like the president, Congress and the federal system and that kind of stuff? Uh, I
3: I think of it similar to the U.S. system, just in terms of, you know, having an executive branch and a legislative branch and the judicial branch. Mm -hmm. Um, In broad terms, that's kind of how I would describe it with the the legislative, uh, you know, not... Passing the laws, but coming up writing up the laws and uh, trying to pass them in Congress. and then with the president, the executive branch having assign it. And of course, the uh, the judges and the judicial power are completely separate. the supreme the Brazilian Supreme Court.
0: How long has it been this way?
3: It's a little bit complicated because we've had, our current constitution is dates from 1988. That was, uh, which is, which is re- relatively recent, right? What mm. is that, that's 30 years if my math is correct. <laughs> um, but right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, to be completely honest, I can't tell you exactly what, how much, how much has kind of been adopted from earlier periods where Brazil wasn't a dictatorship because there were some brief periods in the 20th century that that wasn't the case. Um, but as you know this modern period it it's a 30 year period
1: and before that it was a military dictatorship wasn't it
3: yes yes to, uh, on two separate occasions in the 20th century i think um i'm 99% sure that brazil in the 20th century has had five different constitutions
0: wow wow that's a lot
3: yeah yeah so and now we have the the a uh, current vice president of uh, the stabbed i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but he's proposing we write a new constitution
1: uh that's
3: without, nice. without input, input from the people so um yeah
0: <laughs> who needs them
3: i know you know let's just get the army in there and like let, let them make the rules because it's worked out brilliantly
1: absolutely how does your presidential voting because it's not actually the same as the states in terms of they just have one election you guys actually do it in two parts isn't it
3: yeah we have a runoff i don't know how it is in ireland basically what happens is that we we vote in the first round And then um, if if the first place candidate gets over 50 percent of the vote, then he he gets, you know, he becomes the elected president. If that doesn't happen, then number one and number two go go at it head to head in a second round, which usually happens about a little under a month to a month after the first round.
1: And that's usually what happens. It is usually like it starts off with, say, five or six and ends up with two in the second round. Right.
3: Yeah, yes, exactly.
1: What's kind of the biggest political, social problems in Brazil at the moment? Oh,
3: um,
1: <laughs> big question. Well, <laughs> that ooh <laughs> sounded like it
0: was loaded with uh, with possibilities yeah, and content. Yeah, I mean, it's,
3: yeah it's, it's just crazy. What happens is that Brazil, you know, it went through a period of growth um, in, uh, I would say, about 10 years ago. It kind of, especially under the, the presidency, the administration of Lula, And but as with all things, uh, the global recession hit the world in 2008 and Brazil actually took a a much longer time to weather the effects of it than other countries. We were still feeling very quite void by it. Um, And and then during the administration of President Rousseff, we you know, we had something of a an economic collapse due to choices she made, but also, also just to economic realities. And uh, there was a recession. A lot of people that saw their rise into a middle class during the Lula administration uh, saw their earnings shrink, and the the possibilities just, uh, yeah, diminish. So it's definitely uh, an issue of economic stability right now, and and just going back to that. Period of growing prosperity that we seem to be beginning to enjoy earlier this century and the other thing is is that it's the violence brazil mm. recently the you know there's new data coming out all the time but um this year it appears to be the most broken records in homicide rates in brazil and and that's not that's not something that's uh, very surprising i think people in brazil are very very fatigued by issues pertaining to violence and so security is a very very big big thing for brazilians i think across all classes is that
0: um, violence um located specifically to urban areas or is it kind of ubiquitous across the whole country
3: I'm not I'm not an expert in violence myself but I have reported a lot on it and I I would personally say that it is something that is it crosses all parts of the country it's not and not just the violence but the fear of violence mm. which which I think is very and the preoccupation with it which I think is very uh, it's very important you know it's it's part of why people vote for who they vote and part of why they react to things the way they do i think for example in brazil there's a huge problem with uh, mob killings uh, that's that's when you know you have some like people just coming together spontaneously to murder somebody and that happens a lot in kind of outer urban areas among more impoverished classes um, but although it does happen across strata of society but when you interview people who participated in such killings they'll say you know like they're fed up there's a sense in brazil that the state isn't looking out for people
1: would this kind of be like a vigilante action you mean
3: yes yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. so they'll see um the most most common thing that happens is that there will be um somebody will try to steal a cell phone and mm. that person will be intercepted and in the in the kind of heat of the moment a crowd will gather and will kill that person. It sounds outrageous, wow. but I've, I feel like I've been reporting on this specifically in the last three years, and it's just really, really eye-opening. So wow. this
0: isn't like non-lethal Batman-style vigilanteism. This is real ugly stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, and of people, you know, carried out by people who see themselves as as housewives, as just like local people who would never who would never see themselves as murdering somebody at the middle of the day in the middle of the street, but it happens frequently.
1: Um, and would that would that be because they just don't trust the the, the police to 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 do anything anymore?
3: Yeah, that's the that's it, it's almost like a chorus. You know, it's it's just this thing that you hear over and over again. It's I you know the police is ineffective, the judiciary system is ineffective. It's um and this is something that's also deeply rooted in Brazil and it's concerning, but it's it's very real that people. By and large, feel like human rights are accorded to criminals when they shouldn't be. I'm not saying I agree. But mm-hmm. It is something that is 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 an idea that's held by a lot of Brazilians, and it I think to an extent explains the rise of the far right in Brazil.
1: Um, before we get on to the immediate politics as well, um, something that we've heard a good bit about in in Ireland and other Western countries is a lot about the Operation Car Wash. Um, which I wrote down in our notes first as Operation Car War and only (laughs) realised I got it wrong and we had a moment before before we dialled you in where
0: I was going through the questions and I had never heard about Operation Car Wash and so when I saw Operation Car War I was like oh dibs on that question I'm going to ask about Car War because this sounds like some Mad Max shit and I want to know all about this first hand
3: well now that you i mean now that you mentioned car war i just really want to see a trilogy <laughs> about the car wars Me too. You know? it's car wars
0: and oh my god it's just it's so yeah. perfect <laughs>
3: it really is unfortunately yeah it's not called car wars there is there was a rumor a couple of years ago that the name of the operation operation car wash was based was in part a play with breaking bad <gasps> i've never seen oh yeah that confirmed, but it was, a, it, it was talked about.
0: Because Heisenberg owned a car wash for his money laundering?
3: Yeah, yeah, and the money laundering that happened, that, that that was like the thread that began to be pulled here had to do with a car wash that's about I don't know, like 20 minutes from where
1: I live. Oh no um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And does the guy that run it, does he wear a hat and have glasses and a, and a goatee?
3: <laughs> no, he does not, but you know, if you saw him you'd be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that, that seems like a, a central <laughs> <thing."> <laughs>
1: So just f- for for someone like um, Richie who has never you un- uh, has no idea what Operation Car Wash is, can you just break it down and how it's affected Brazilian politics?
3: The thing with the Operation Car Wash, it it was an investig It really kind of broke out into the public in uh, 2014. Um, it started in early 2014 and really became a huge story that everybody knew. I'd say like around October or November, and or September. But what happened was that it found this kind of huge graft operation inside the partially nationally owned uh, oil company, Petrobras. And with that, it kind of into really kind of in really broad terms, it, it showed a kind of a kickback scheme going back, you know, decades that involved both the government and company, uh, private companies that the government did business with. So, um, gosh, now, now I'm blanking on the word in English. Uh, what's the, construction companies? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of it became this like multi-tentacled thing that ensnared a lot of people in the top layers of the government back then, which was the Workers' Party government, from both in inside the government and inside Petrobras, the oil company, which implicated you know the top executives in Brazil. Brazil. So it just kind of exposed the skeleton of corruption that had been operating in the background in Brazilian politics and industry for
0: decades. And what was it? You mentioned the the beginning of the threads that people started to pull on to find this out. What was the that thread? Like, how was this un- unearthed?
3: Oh, gosh. So it, it literally feels like seven lifetimes ago. But it all began because the police found a suspicious gift of a land rover to the owner of either the car wash or that the car wash owner had given to a politician um like i said it's just there have been so many like twists and turns in this and that's that's when they started to investigate like a very small scale Mm. money laundering scheme and then it just kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger
0: and who's doing the investigating in this situation
3: well so the head of the like not the head but the the person that people associate most commonly with with Operation Car Wash is this judge in Curitiba, which is in the south of Brazil, named Sergio Mouro. Mm. and he's really emerged as this kind of a heroic figure, with albeit not without controversy. And he, and it's his team that has been dealing with all the that has been prosecuting. All of the those accused of participating in the car wash
0: scheme. Have they encountered much resistance in their investigations?
3: Yes, and um, not at the beginning. I think because he, because Sashimoto himself is this kind of nerdy, understated figure. Um, at first, I'd say in 2014, 2015, he was he was just like held up as this kind of heroic figure, especially among the I'm not going to say the right as much as it was the the people, the, the center and the center right, mm-hmm. as well as the right as the as the, this person who was just kind of almost an outsider, somebody that nobody had ever heard of, who seemed to be kind of cleaning, you know, doing the job of cleaning up dirty politics in Brazil, which You know, Brazilian politics has been corruption, has been an endemic thing in Brazilian politics for a long time. Mm -hmm. So with and because it because all of a sudden it implicated Lula as well, our former president, who himself had been this kind of heroic figure. There was there was this vacuum for heroes and he emerged in this space. But then I would say in 2016, there there were a couple of incidents that made him appear to people as overstepping his uh, authority. Mm-hmm. There was one incident and this was this was one of those days. I don't know if you have if you have them in Ireland recently where the news just does not seem to stop. Mm. This was early 2016. I might get the month wrong. I believe it was March. There was this. Let me try to explain. Lula, our former president, was under fear of being I'm not sure the word in English is correct, but indicted. And there was this there was this conversation going around in the media and apparently President Rousseff's party, who was his successor, that they might make him minister. And that in that way, give him some kind of legal protections because politicians in Brazil are judged in a separate system. And so in that whole day, it seemed like he was he was about to be nominated as a minister. And then Sasha released a couple of uh, wiretaps showing some vague, but slightly disturbing or suspicious conversations that Lula had had with several, you know, several politicians and with, with President Rousseff as well, seeming to talk about like, oh yeah, we're going to take it over to you and you're going to sign it type of thing. You know, the, the tapes themselves didn't necessarily reveal weren't a smoking gun in any way, mm. but they just sent the country into an absolute whirlwind. Everybody went to the streets. It you know, there were this is so dramatic.
0: Was, <laughs> this sounds like a Netflix drama. It was
3: completely insane. It was one of those days that just it just felt like something broke, you know. Yeah
0: floodgates open.
3: Yeah. And it was from, it it was from around that day or more specifically a little bit earlier, a couple of weeks earlier when Lula himself was taken to, uh, to be uh, interrogated by the police And from that day to the day of the first stage of Rousseff's impeachment, there was nowhere you could go in Brazil that you didn't know. And and you couldn't overhear a conversation of strangers having at the bank, you know, at a coffee shop. And you didn't know exactly what they were talking about. Like (laughs) That is what they were talking about. It was nuts.
0: That's crazy. And so just just to round out the scale of all this like can you put a, mm-hmm. a figure to how much w- money was involved in the total of this whole um scandal
3: oh i mean it's it's always been you know talked about in vague terms the figure the rounded figure that people people throw around a lot is 2 billion
1: whoa
3: uh, yeah yeah it's a lot really of land bad. rovers yeah, a lot of land rovers
1: you mentioned there that um president um juma rousseff she was actually impeached and removed as president Can you? that was recently and not was that last year or the year before can't remember that was in
3: 2016
1: oh still 16 as well the crazy super year Got, a lot of stuff um, happened that year didn't yeah. it in, in brazil oh, did yeah. brazil shut
0: down in 2017 where everyone just took a break after the year they just had uh, they were
3: fell asleep was like please don't wake me up I mean did you forget that there was also an Olympics and a oh Zika yeah
1: outfit? god damn it <laughs> yeah I forgot about Zika completely god damn 2016 yeah.
3: 2016 was nuts absolutely nuts
1: them Americans they think that they're the centre of attention they had no idea what was going on down did, in the south of the continent did, did you guys have a lot of celebrities dying that year as well because that's something that happened <laughs> too in 2016
3: <laughs> I, I remember that 2016 being the year of celebrities deaths i don't remember a single celebrity death in brazil that happened
1: why would they die there was too much going on they'd miss it out too
3: much going on they had you know they had their little popcorn thing yeah just (laughs) every day
1: can can you take us through the impeachment process and how they got rid of juma and whether or not that was a cool thing to do yeah
3: um the impeachment process there it's it was very, very polarizing. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as a, just personally, I don't think Juma was a very good president. She carried out what kind of people expected her to do, which is was to carry out uh, Lula's legacy in economic terms. I think she interfered a lot. She started out very pop with a huge kind of, popularity ratings. But by kind of end of 2015 to the beginning of 2016, she was a deeply unpopular president.
1: And could it be said that her popularity fell with the economy?
3: Yes. Yes, absolutely. There were some issues of just general diplomacy as well. I think, you know, when the economy was good, people, the country in general, as well as people in government, tolerated, even if grudgingly, some, you know, the fact that she And this this is going to this is just human nature, right? Like she was just not very not a very nice person. And she would alienate people in her own cabinet and she would publicly dress down people um, that she was supposed to be working with. And I think, you know, when the economy tanked, she lost a lot of public support. But also she couldn't retain any support inside her government because she had already stepped on so many toes by just being not being very, very diplomatic inside of it so she didn't have many allies and uh, by the and and yes with the economic it was the worst economic recession that brazil had seen in decades so by that point there were a couple of wonkish uh legal types were like you know we're we spot some interesting shenanigans here going on with the fiscal budget it was it was some it was like this deeply complicated confusing thing for people to to understand but it was already this this kind of uh, it, it was an impeachable off- offense and it was kind of so mi- it, it was relatively minor and it paled in comparison to the corruption that so many people who were in government were accused of
0: mm. so was but, she just rerouting funds or taking for herself or what was the nature of it
3: no 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 she, there's um she She's never been personally accused of corruption, but what um, it's the thing with the budget is they're called uh, pedaladas fiscais. And it's something like uh, papering over the budget deficit Okay, just um, prior to her reelection. And it's something that uh, and then, you know, and then kind of paying the price a little bit later. And the previous presidents had done this with their with the fiscal budget. But they hadn't. But the argument of people who wanted to impeach her was that they hadn't done it to this extent. Right. And that's this amount of uh, of a difference between the real budget and the kind of the presented budget.
1: And she was accused of doing that just to get reelected. Right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. Um, and so so that's where that's where the, the initial uh, rift came from. This idea that, you know, the people had, that were against her impeachment were like, you know, this is something that president. Past presidents had done so. Like, how can you how can you say this is an impeachable offense? And then the pro impeachment people being saying, "Well, this she's done it to a much larger scale." That was that was the basis for the impeachment. Two, I don't know how it is in Ireland, but there were two phases for it in Congress. The first, it was the congressmen who voted for her impeachment, and I might I might be getting the month here wrong as well. But I believe, as I remember, it was on April two thousand sixteen. And then after that, um, a couple of months later, it was the senators who voted for her impeachment.
1: And then after that, she was out of office.
3: Yeah, I think her, her officially the impeachment itself um, was September. Uh, she was officially impeached on September first. It was just a little bit over after the Olympics.
0: What for the closing ceremony?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you can imagine, I mean, she obviously like she wasn't she wasn't president. She was an acting president by the time the Olympics came around. Her vice president was, you know, an interim president at that point. Mm. But then after on September 1st, he officially became the president.
1: Can we talk about him for a second? Is it, what's his name? Is it M- Michael Temer?
3: Yeah, Michel Temer. He's he's um, he's really a. Quite a figure. Um, just a, a little bit of background information. I think the most, the most, uh, for the thing that really sticks to me is oh, he once was insulted by a fellow politician. This is decades ago as looking like a, a butler from a horror movie.
0: <laughs> what a great burn.
3: Uh, it, re- it, it really stuck to him. It is a perfect burn. I'm going and to look really up this look guy. Like- What's
0: his name? Sorry. Mich- Michelle-
3: Michel. Michelle Temer. Okay. Yeah. Michelle Temer. He's um, just like short vampiric dude. He's like really stocky. Oh
0: wow, Jesus! Okay, and, here we um, go. I'll, I'll add pictures to the show notes.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. He he wasn't far off the mark. No,
3: he wasn't. And so you know, there's a lot of jokes about him being like looking like a little bit of a vampire and like <laughs> doing a little Satanism on the side. And, you know, he'll post he'll post pictures of himself like with his dog Thor. I believe the dog's name Thor. is. <laughs> And everyone will look at the picture and it looks like he's trying to like suck the soul out of the dog. It's all very. uh, Yeah. But so I just added a picture to
0: the group chat. there. He's a you know,
3: he's a he's a a fairly old gentleman, um, elderly gentleman who's been in politics a very long time Um, on in his spare time. He likes to write um, erotic poetry.
0: For God's (laughs) sakes.
3: and he has published the book of his poetry um, and his wife is a former um, miss is that what you call it like a beauty queen who's I I believe 60 years his junior who is Um, this
0: guy (laughs) sorry before we go any further has his erotic poetry been translated to English again I'm asking for a friend
1: <laughs> Thanks, Richie. Thanks for asking.
3: I uh the New York Times once published uh a few brief excerpts in English. Oh, so oh. they're out there. About, oh, I you know- already
0: have it open on my on my pay on my screen. <laughs> Do you want to read some, Richie? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh this one is called In Red. Uh I've read Fiery Flames of Fire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god. It, does, it doesn't work so well in English no, Brilliant think.
0: eyes which smile with scarlet <laughs> well, lips. It doesn't
3: work in Portuguese.
0: Oh, my mind, my soul, all mine in heat, my body on fire, consumed, dissolved. Finally, ashes are left that I spread on the bed to sleep. That's not erotic at all. <laughs> well, I'm never having sex. OK, text okay.
3: okay. so maybe maybe I'm stretching the truth by calling it erotic. <laughs> but let's call, let's call them like love poems and poems <laughs> about his, you know, wife that's 60 years his junior and <laughs> about spreading things on the bed.
1: Oh. So. Yeah, that's pretty erotic <laughs> yes. when you say it like that. Was yeah. he, he, didn't he didn't he move out of the presidential palace because he thought it was haunted <laughs> by
4: him
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he that's that's the rumor that that's what he thought right he still he he officially he just kind of like stayed in the vice presidential palace which is his official that, but i believe it came after you know spending a gargantuan amount of public money on getting the getting the presidential palace fitted for him so
1: E- exercised kind
3: of, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I mean he could have Perform
1: from the exorcism herself <laughs> yeah definitely um so we'll kind of we'll ask you a final question then just because when is the there's a presidential election coming up very soon isn't there yes there
3: is there is um the voting first round of voting will happen on october 7th
1: and then as you say that'll narrow it down probably to two candidates and then in a month they'll have another election and so i, I presume that's nice and quiet there's no drama Simple. or strange things going on no stabbings
3: no i mean let's just say that the uh The candidate that most people want to vote for, he's currently in jail and he's been barred from voting. That's Lula. Yeah. And the second place candidate, which is this far right uh, guy who wants to, you know, liberate guns and like says the most disparaging, awful things about gay people and says he's going to eradicate all protections for indigenous people and the descendants of slaves. He uh, last week was stabbed in the stomach and now he's in hospital. He's been fitted with a colostomy bag, which if he if he wins the election, it sounds like he won't be able to get the colossus knee bag removed until his uh inauguration um so those are the, the yeah those are the our top two candidates wow. and uh, yeah wow. yeah so good time. <laughs> lula himself has uh has endorsed another another member of his party which was the former mayor of sao paulo called fernando adagi and recently they just came out with a campaign which is the most absurd thing in the world it's a uh, the, the campaign essentially says, you know, you don't need to care about who this guy, Adad, is. You don't need, it's, it's, it, the, the, the campaign video is about two minutes of people not knowing how to pronounce Adad. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. And then in the end, all the people are like, whatever, Adad just equals Lula. Oh, and the, oh my God. Yeah. The party said that if Adaji wins, then Lula's the one who's going to be picking the ministers and everything. So he might—I mean, Adaji might as well just like put a skin suit of Lula on and He's, go yeah. campaign in the streets. He's a
0: ventriloquist, yep. dummy. Yep,
3: yeah, oh and people God. are like, you know, yeah. I know. You, uh, honestly, um, he has a chance of winning.
0: And are there any other candidates who haven't been jailed or stabbed who are like doing at least somewhat okay as a, as a <laughs> yes. tertiary option? Yeah.
3: Well, let's say that the most. Uh, the least scandal-prone uh, candidate is this, uh, a man called Geraldo Alckmin. And up until uh, recently this year, he was the governor of Sao Paulo. He is, uh, as many people would describe him to me, oh, you know, the the son-in-law your parents have really asked for.
0: Just a, <laughs> just
3: a normal dude. You know, He's he started out as he was a doctor. He's very just an establishment guy and but but that works against him because i think at this moment brazil is just kind of and the whole world right it seems it seems that there's a real uh rejection of the establishment Mm, yeah um so he hasn't i feel like earlier in the year people people saw a lot of promise in alchemy but recently it just he's not he's not doing all that well
0: on the polls and I bet you yeah. by, the so time this, yeah. by the time this episode comes out, he'll have
1: been like shot into space or something horrible <laughs> will have happened to him as well. Yeah. You'll be found, you'll be found atop the Christo, the Redeemer, naked and no, with no memory of how he got there.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then and that's when the spaceships come and take Abraham and
1: Abraham was right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly exactly it's all politics
3: yes it is
1: (laughs) is is there an actual chance that the military could come back in Brazil like as you said they only really stopped becoming a dictatorship in the 80s so it's not that long ago that they're around and when I went to Brazil actually they are. there are like they're still the police force, right? They still walk around the streets carrying machine guns. So it's not as if that they've exactly run away.
3: Yeah, well, that's that's something that people are really scared of. Since since Bolsonaro, the stabbed candidate, has been recuperating in the hospital, his VP candidate um, has really, you know, taken a shine to the spotlight, as we say. He's a he's a reserve general in the army, and he has said some terrifying things um, and about the role of the military and the role that the military would play under a supposed, you know, Bolsonaro Moron, which is the VP's name ticket. Um, When, so yes, to answer your question, people are very fearful of the idea of an, an army that's just kind of ready to come in and take charge. And people like Bolsonaro and his VP Moron have not given any indication that that's something that they don't desire. Right. When when Bolsonaro himself was stabbed, his VP's immediate reaction to a magazine that had interviewed him was to say, and this is this is he's a you know, he's a general, he's a retired general.
1: He wears a uniform, right?
3: Yeah. His words were, um, oh, you know, they wanna they wanna come at us with violence, we're the violence professionals. Ooh. So yeah, I mean, if that isn't a threat of somebody it like in the highest ranking position in the Brazilian army, where not he's not the highest, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's so that was a very concerning moment.
1: Yeah, so it looks like, um, you guys are definitely gonna have a fun couple of months anyway. Hopefully, 2019 will be nice and calm. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like Brazil just needs to go on a holiday. Just chill out, guys.
3: I think we could all use a little bit of sleep.
1: <laughs> well, thanks very much, uh, Klausie, to for talking to us and running through Brazil. Um, I definitely know a lot more, so I'm going to be able to have proper conversations with my wife now about Brazilian politics. <laughs> yeah, Steve's finally out of the doghouse.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys.
1: This has been great. Thank you so much.
0: Crazy. <laughs> Crazy stuff, Steve. Absolutely nuts. I was thinking about it, and it kind of seems like someone got a bunch of... Uh, cliches and tropes from different genre dramas like from Netflix or HBO cut up the plot lines and put them in a hat and then pull them out and then that's what's happening in Brazil like vigilante justice you know political stabbings it's like, like it's like a fam- car wash car wash fucking money laundering that's literally <laughs> taken from <laughs> <for> Breaking Bad <laughs>
1: yeah it's nuts and they Brazilians have a flair for the dramatic and they are certainly applying it very much so in their politics it is nuts and it has not calmed down since we were talking to her it it shows no signs of stabilizing or becoming Mm. a normal election it is nuts are we gonna are we gonna follow this we'll mention in news after the election
0: yeah hooray okay great because i'm very much now invested (laughs) in what's happening much like one of my favorite TV shows
1: (laughs) tune in next time for Brazil's
0: Big Mess Brazil's got talent and political
1: problems (laughs) it's true it is true they have a lot of talent because all these they have a huge amount of talent but also some issues do you know what else they have I know we'll we'll tell you about that in a second first let's uh, remind people to buy tickets for the live show if you haven't already and you're in Dublin what what excuse Mm -hmm. do you have why have you not bought a ticket yet are you mad is that what your reason is because we're not because we're not very good steve that Ricky, that's irrelevant oh, shit, sorry all right, that's a, shit, sorry that's that's not the point here the point is is that they should buy tickets and come watch us awkwardly go um
0: <laughs> we'll be sitting down with a table over so they won't see us wet ourselves but also we'll have <laughs> a much more talented guest with us so yes. don't worry he's a buffer it'll all work out it'll all work out uh but yeah so so do that if you want um find us no not if at you want Pal- just do it not even if you don't, even if you don't know want, <laughs> even if you don't know want, you will be there and you will see a good old-fashioned mammy fight. So there's that to look forward to. Yeah, at What on Politics on Twitter at uh, What on Politics at gmail.com What on and of course Head Stuff, Head Stuff. If you if you're looking for a new uh, podcast, head over to headstuff.org and there's a bunch of wonderful podcasters waiting for you there. Yes. So as promised, I guess we can just close out on some some, some
1: good old fashion Portuguese swearing. yes it is fun <laughs> so we asked my wife Patricia to come in and teach us how to swear mm-hmm. and she
0: did with style and grace take it away Patricia fuck yeah um so boha
4: boha it, boha it means like it, it depends on your on your tone because it can say
0: okay 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 let me let me try it some different tones and you tell me what it means okay. how about that okay okay <clears throat> boha does
1: that work at all uh,
4: no I don't I don't think it works it's boha p-o-r-r-a b for Patricia P- not b oh, for ball so it's boha. Bo. boha
1: But it sounds like a b when you're pronounced it oh okay
4: it's <laughs> say, it's the same when you say fuck you say fuck or say fuck yeah, but you
1: don't say I'm gonna boha somebody no <laughs> what about how many different words are there for penis
4: Piru, penis, piroca Jeba Tromba Mungjobo
0: Okay Patricia I've got a very important question Was that <laughs> okay. a bunch of different words Or one really long <laughs> word
4: Oh me? it's a bunch It's a bunch of words Oh thank god it's So many words So there's so many What's your favourite? Piroca Is definitely my favourite
1: Is that a bad word Or could you say that in a classroom?
4: Uh, no you couldn't say Piroca in your classroom No, no. And what's,
1: the, what's the medical term for penis? Penis <laughs> that's sounds cheating like, That sounds, sounds like pennies. <laughs>
4: pennies. That's pennies. why. That's why I love saying, oh, "I'm gonna buy something in pennies." <laughs> this <laughs> is how mature I am. pennies
0: <laughs> What's your favorite curse word of all the curse words? Caralho. Definitely.
1: She says that a lot.
4: Caralho is also penis. <laughs> is it?
0: <laughs> yeah. God, they have a Carally. lot of words for penis.
4: Yeah, we're kind of obsessed with penises, I guess.
1: <laughs> wow.
4: Pirocas, pirocas everywhere.
1: What about vagina? Uh,
4: there is vagina. Which That's is the great. medical term. Vulva. Vulva! You know vulva. There is Steven's favorite, buceta
0: is that not the Italian starter that's like uh, toasted bread with tomato and
4: (laughs) no it's not bruschetta (laughs) you don't want to get
1: them confused
4: (laughs) yeah Yeah. can I I get a tomato bruschetta whoa I just came
0: back from Malta where I ordered that lot and I did get a lot of funny looks and now I know (laughs) now you do yeah
1: what about if somebody had done you a terrible wrong and you had to like give them the biggest telling off ever like, go fuck yourself, you motherfucker.
4: Vai se fuder.
1: Yeah, but like, what's a really long, passionate one?
4: It's one that I don't agree with because because I'm a feminist. What in feminism? So it's because because they say, I don't know, it's because they say son of a bitch. So basically they say, vai se fuder, seu so filho da puta. But then it's, it's really against my, my principles.
1: What does that mean literally? Son of a bitch?
4: Go fuck yourself, son of a bitch. I could say, I would say, vai se fuder seu cretino. Like, you're a fucking asshole. Jerk. Sorry. Okay,
1: Richie, we need to go over what you've learned. So, what's your favorite curse word now?
0: Uh, bruschetta. <laughs> <laughs> Easily, hands down, it's, it's uh, bruschetta. So. That'll be enough. Thank you so much for that, Patricia. I feel no like problem. a slightly worse person now.
4: <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm happy to help with this.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
4: <laughs> you're welcome.
1: This has
2: been a production of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Boha.